Good morning, Grace Way Nation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let us know where you're watching from. Type your name, the city, and the country you're watching from. Would love to give you a shout out, love to connect with you. And uh, we're going to go straight into the word today. I'm reading from Zechariah 4, verse 10. Zechariah 4, verse 10. You can open your Bible. You can swipe to find your Bible app. If you're old school, you can pick up your Bible and your notepad. And we're going straight into God's word today. Zechariah 4. Verse 10 says the following. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I want to preach from this thought today the gift of small beginnings. The gift of small beginnings. Would you type that in the comments section? The gift of small beginnings. Would you maybe text a friend and tell them, hey, we're learning about the gifts of small beginnings. Come and watch. I love watching documentaries, series, and movies about the world's greatest leaders, business moguls, innovators, sports stars. I love watching documentaries because I love seeing their origin story, where they started and how they rose to success. And it's always interesting how some of today's greatest leaders, innovators, business moguls, sportsmen and sportswomen all have small beginnings. They have these stories of adversity, of starting in a very difficult place, but then they rise and build great companies, great careers, great businesses, successful sports victories. I love understanding their story. And a few examples is like Apple. Apple is the world's most valuable company. It's worth 2.4 Eight trillion dollars. Back in 1976, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak started their business in a humble beginning. They started their business in a garage. Google as well is worth 1.83 trillion dollars. Started by two founders in a garage. They had a humble, small beginning. Amazon. Jeff Bezos started Amazon in a rented garage. It's worth $1.6 trillion. Oprah Winfrey was born to a single teenage mother and grew up in poverty in rural Mississippi. She had a small, humble beginning, and then she went on to be in a radio station as a radio presenter. Hello, somebody. And now she's a business mogul and has had one of the most successful and most viewed TV shows of all time. All of these individuals had small beginnings, humble beginnings. They all started small, but went on to literally change the world in a phenomenal way. And the thing is, we all love to watch these successful stories. We love to read the books. We love to read the autobiographies. We love to watch the series. But do we actually want to live the story of starting in a small beginnings? Do we actually want to go through the adversity and the difficulty that some of these people have faced? I don't think we do. Our generation actually doesn't want to live out small beginnings. They don't want to go through the process of humble beginnings. They want the product of success, but not the process that comes with it. 
Our generation wants a microwave success story. They just want it to start instantly, instantaneously. They want a successful career without the humble beginnings of starting right at the bottom. They want immediate results in business, but they don't want the hard work that it takes to start in a humble beginnings, to start in a garage, to start maybe in an isolated place where no one knows you, to start with little. People want a successful marriage without the hard work that it takes to build a healthy relationship. They want the girl, but they are afraid to start in the small beginnings of asking her out. I believe the main reason is because we despise small beginnings. I want to define to you what the word despise means. Despise, as defined by the dictionary, is to look down on with disrespect or aversion, to regard as worthless or distasteful, to feel a strong dislike for someone or something because you think that that person or thing is bad or has no value. Because we despise small beginnings, we're unable to see the value that it offers. We miss starting out on romantic relationships because he doesn't have the right car, or if he doesn't have the right job, or he's not earning a particular income, or he doesn't live in a particular estate. You despise the gentleman, and so you don't give him an opportunity and then you miss the beauty of what could have been a beautiful relationship and vice versa. Gents, you despise the girl. You don't value her because you think she expects a particular lifestyle and she wants something from you. And so you don't approach her and you miss the value of starting this relationship. When I got engaged to my wife, I had just graduated. I had no job. My wife could have despised me. But because she was humble enough and open enough to accept me for who I was, not what I had, and she didn't despise where I was, she looked to where I was going, and we've had a successful marriage, a successful relationship, because she was humble enough to take me for who I was. Don't despise small beginnings because you'll miss the value that it offers. A lot of the times you miss business opportunities because you despise how it looks like in the beginning. You have the idea to start the business, but you don't want the sacrifices that it will take to begin in a small place. And so you miss out in building successful business or a successful career because you despise the small beginnings that it starts at. God tells Zechariah, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And I want to give context to Zechariah today. Israel is God's people. The Jews had been in captivity in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, for 70 years, almost three generations and Zechariah is one of the first returning exiles. He was a priest and he was a leader. God gives him a commission. He tells him that he needed to start building the temple and support Zerubbabel, who was the leader at the time. God gives him a commission that God knows would be difficult. 
He says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. God knew the challenge that he was about to step into. And for a moment, let's put ourselves in Zechariah's shoes. He was a returning exile to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had been destroyed and demolished and burnt down by invading Iraqi and Syrian armies at the time. Jerusalem was a mess. It was in ruins. It required new rebuilding. It required new infrastructure. It was destroyed and desolate. And imagine you are Zechariah being commissioned to rebuild the city or rebuild the temple. When you are broke, you have no resources because when you go into exile, you essentially leave behind everything that you have in your home country. And so they come back and Jerusalem is destroyed. There's probably no banking sector. There's probably no government administration. There is literally nothing. They couldn't even probably get the building approvals. Where do you start? And God asks them to rebuild and restore the temple. And this was a big task to comprehend. But God says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't look at your current situation. Don't look down on what you're currently going through. Don't despise it because there is value in the small beginnings. And if God told him not to despise these small beginnings, then God must know something about beginnings that we don't. God must know something about small beginnings that we don't. The thing about beginnings is that they are complex, they're difficult, they're despicable, they're a little bit fragile, they're a little bit crazy, it requires a lot of time, it requires a lot of effort, it requires a lot of emotional energy because beginnings are difficult. And I want to speak to you today to anyone that could be in the beginning of something in your life. Maybe you're at the beginning of starting a new business. Maybe you're stepping out in faith to become an entrepreneur. You're deciding to forsake your corporate gig or your corporate job or your paying salary to go on your own. It's a new beginning because it's scary. You're accustomed to getting a paycheck at the end of the month. But as you step out to be an entrepreneur, there isn't a lot of job security. It's scary. It's fragile. It's difficult. You're maybe having sleepless nights. Maybe you're at the beginning of a new relationship. Maybe you said yes to the first date when this guy asked you, but it's still fragile. You're still trying to figure each other out. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Maybe you're at the beginning of a new friendship with a friend and you're still trying to figure each other out. It's fragile. You're starting to understand each other. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Maybe you're beginning a new season of life that you thought you'd never enter. Maybe you've just been divorced or you've just separated from your husband or from your wife. It's not what you anticipated, but it's a beginning. A beginning you're not sure of. How do you start life again, as it were? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Maybe you're recovering from something such as a life-threatening habit. 
Maybe you were so controlled by alcohol and you've now decided that you are going to step away from this and start a new life and it's fragile and you're trying to figure out how am I going to do this? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Maybe you're at the beginning of being parents. It's a new journey. You're not accustomed to things, sleepless nights, trying to figure out your kid. It's a new beginning. You have to be careful not to despise small beginnings because you lose the value that is found in small beginnings. And today, I want to help you understand and maybe give you a little bit of encouragement as you step into this new small beginning. God is interested in beginnings. He's also interested in small things. He says in Matthew 17, 20, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God is interested in small things. Whatever beginning you're at today, don't quit. Your small beginning could impact lives. It could change the trajectory of your family, but don't quit. You might be listening today and maybe you're like, Seth, you don't understand. This beginning is hard. I want to give up. But I want to encourage you, there is a blessing to be found in this small beginning. There is a gift in humble beginnings. Maybe you're in a business and you've just started or you're thinking of starting and you feel like it's very difficult. The proposals are not coming through. The invoices are not being paid. Don't quit. There is value to be found. Maybe you've just started a marriage and it's a little bit difficult. Don't quit. There is value to be found. I'm believing God that this week, God would surprise you with an unexpected miracle that will show you that he's with you in this small beginning. And for a moment, let's look at David as an example. David's small beginnings was very despicable. He was hated by his parents. He was overlooked by his brothers. He was actually overlooked by his father when Samuel was coming to anoint the next king. Instead of David being with his brother, David was actually a shepherd boy. He was in the field shepherding sheep, so he actually missed this opportunity. And Samuel tells Jesse, do you have another son? Because of the sons that you have here, I just don't feel qualified to be the next king. Jesse says, yeah, I have this boy, but um, he's just a shepherd boy. He's been overlooked by his father. Samuel says, call him. He calls him. Samuel says, this is the king. And it's so interesting that when David was now almost anointed to become the next king, he goes back to the very same place that he was found. He goes back to the field and continues to shepherd. How about that? I mean, if it was me and I was told, hey, Seth, you are the next king, I would have said, okay, change my clothes, get me a new car, get me some servants. But he humbled himself to go back to the very place that he was found. Do you have the humility to stay faithful in the place that God has placed you, even though you know you're called to greater things? Small beginnings require humility. We know the story of David. Before he defeats Goliath, his dad sends him to the battlefield, essentially to give his brothers lunch, to give them some sandwiches, some Burger King, some McDonald's. And he gets there, 
and he sees what's happening. He sees Goliath there, and he's showing an interest to solve the problem. Can I say this to you? Your next opportunity could be disguised as a problem that you can solve. The next opportunity in your life could be disguised as a problem that you can solve. A lot of the time we miss opportunities because they're disguised as problems. It could be in your work situation. You're seeing a problem in your environment or in your job or in the company and you keep complaining about it with your team. But what if God is commissioning you to solve the problem and that will elevate you to the next level in your corporate field or in your career? Maybe you keep complaining about a problem in your community, but maybe God has called you to provide the solution so you can start a business. Maybe you keep complaining about the social ills in South Africa. Maybe God is calling you to start that nonprofit that would help alleviate some of these social issues. Your next opportunity could be disguised as a problem you can solve. David gets to the battlefield. He sees what's happening. He brings the food to his brothers, the KFC, the McDonald's, whatever it is. I believe it could have been Burger King because sometimes you need Burger King to give you the energy to keep going. And he asks his brother, what's happening? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? His brothers shut him down. Probably say, hey, you're not a soldier. You're a shepherd boy. Go and tend to the sheep. Wah. You're not qualified to be doing this. Why are you here? You're not in the army. You don't have the skills. You don't have the competencies. You're not qualified to be at this place. Give us our food and go home. David ignores them and he turned to talk to someone else. You should do that to people too. Turn and talk to someone else who is not blinded about you because they're so familiar with you. When people ignore you, talk to someone else who is not blinded about you because they're so familiar with you. Familiarity is a massive blind spot because people in your circle, they see nothing in you because they've known you for too long. Jesus experienced this when he went back to Jerusalem, Bethlehem, where he was born. He gets into the city, he's preaching, and the Bible says that people begin to recognize him and say, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that Mary's son? And the Bible says he's unable to perform any miracles there because they'd become familiar with who he was. And so they weren't able to experience the magnitude of who he was as Jesus, the son of God. Familiarity is a massive blind spot because people see nothing in you because they've known you for too long. Be careful who you turn to. David's openness gets him in front of the king. He speaks to Saul and says, hey, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. And the same God who helped me kill the lion and the bear will help me kill Goliath. Saul says, okay. I have no proof, I have no Instagram photos, I have no videos that you can show me, but let me give you my armor. And it's interesting to note that Saul gave him his armor, not because he was trying to help David, but because he wanted to be seen 
to be helping him. Be careful who you ask for help from. Not everyone wants you to win. They want to be seen to be helping you, but deep down inside, they just secretly want you to fail. David says that, listen, I'm not going to put on this armor. When I was killing the lion and the bear, what I'd become accustomed to was using a sling and a stone. What David had learned in the humble beginnings was practicing how to use his slingshot with a stone. What you need to understand that when you're a shepherd boy, you have a lot of time on your hands. When he was in that isolated space where no one knew him, where he was just taking care of sheep, he had so much time to practice with the sling and the stone over and over and over again. He had become so skilled in this practice. When he was in the wilderness, do you know what he also did? He grew closer to God. He began to write a lot of the Psalms in the wilderness. His dependency on God grew. And when the day came, he was ready to defeat Goliath. His small beginnings as a shepherd boy allowed him to practice the very same skill set that would be required to elevate him to the next level. He couldn't get to this place with Goliath without practice. He couldn't just show up there and, you know, try and, okay, you know, let me just, let me just try something. No, he needed to be prepared for this time. And I want to encourage you today, you might be feeling like you're in a season of isolation. No one knows you, no one sees you, but can I tell you something? You are beginning to practice the sling and the stone so that when the appointed time comes, you are ready When God brings that opportunity, you are prepared. You're not second-guessing yourself. You have built a confidence, a dependency on God that came from the small and the humble beginnings. David couldn't get to the center stage with Goliath and begin practicing how to throw his sling and stone because he would have been defeated. Can I tell you, maybe you're in a season where you feel like you've been in isolation for a long time, Can I just encourage you and tell you that sometimes when your season of isolation is prolonged, it's because the purpose that God has for you is so big and requires you to practice and excel in the small things so that you're prepared for the big things that God has in store for you. I want to ask you this question. What's your sling and stone? What is God having you practice in your humble beginnings, in your small beginnings? What have you seen as something small and maybe something that has no value, but God is actually saying, keep practicing. Keep practicing your networking skills. Keep practicing your Excel skills. Keep practicing your presentation skills. Keep practicing how to build that business. Keep practicing how to love people. Keep practicing how to be so hospitable to people. Keep practicing your sling, and your stone. A few things we can learn about humble beginnings. The first one is that it humbles you. Small beginnings will humble you. Small beginnings have a way of humbling you and humility is the key to God's favor and grace in your life. And some of you need to be humbled because it's hard to be humble when you have much. 
Some of you could be delaying your season of acceleration and elevation because you are continuously letting pride stop you from settling in your humble beginnings. You're like, oh, I'm too big for this opportunity. I'm just going to miss it. Bible says in James 4 verse 6, God gives more grace. Here, this is what he says. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. Small beginnings have a way of humbling you. Second thing, what we can learn from small beginnings is that it builds your character. Small beginnings are not easy. They come with challenges, setbacks, roller coaster rides of emotions. And it is during the time of small beginnings that God works on your character. And what you need to understand is that as He grows your character, it will show its strength in purpose when you elevate it to the next level. A lot of people want to be elevated, but they don't want the process of character development. You cannot get to the purpose that God has for you without going through the process of small beginnings for your character to be developed. God will build up your character in order to keep you grounded in Him. God will build up your character in order to keep you grounded in Him. One of my favorite verses, count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith, the challenges of the small beginnings, the processing, it builds perseverance. Perseverance must have its full course so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The lesson that we learn in small beginnings is that it builds our character. The third thing is that it builds our dependency on God. There is something about humble beginnings that build your dependency on God. You stop depending on yourself. You stop depending on others. You stop trying to get validation from your peers or from your family members. Because in this season, it's just you and God. David was in isolation in the wilderness. And it was in that isolation that he drew closer to God, that he became more dependent on God. When he was defeating the lion and the bear, his father, his brother, his mother were not there. It was just him and God. And as he defeated the lion and the bear, it built a confidence in him. It built a dependency because he knew that that strength came from God. How he defeated the lion and the bear was through the power of God. I love uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. The Amplified Version says this, Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence and expectation is in the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. Humble beginnings build our character. The fourth point and the last point is that humble beginnings tests your faithfulness. Humble beginnings will test your faithfulness. In small beginnings, you don't have a lot of resources. You literally have to make do with what you have. If you were a bit bougie and picky, in small beginnings, there are not a lot of choices. 
When you're starting that business and you only have limited resources and you're looking for an office space, you will take the office that meets your budget. Small beginnings test your faithfulness. The test in humble beginnings is that will you be faithful with what you have? Or will you despise what you have? Luke 16.10 to 13 says the following. Jesus went on to make these comments. He says, if you're honest in small things, in small things, that word again, small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, hello somebody, who will put you in charge of the store? Who will put you in charge of the store? David, as soon as he's been announced and anointed as the king, he doesn't take the responsibilities of a king. He goes back to the place where he was found, where he was called from. He goes back to shepherding sheep. He knows he's supposed to be promoted, but he goes back to the humble beginnings, the small place, the place where God had appointed him to continue his work. My question to you today is what has God told you to do? But because you keep despising the small thing, you haven't done. And you feel stuck in your current environment. Maybe it's your career. You feel stuck. You feel like I need to be somewhere else in my life. But maybe it's because you haven't been faithful with the little. When I started working, I started volunteering at a local NGO. I just started volunteering. I just started like helping out. I was literally, and you know, my friend Kolo can attest to this. I was literally preparing sandwiches and giving it to the kids in this community and the volunteers that we were working with. That's what I was doing. And I kept volunteering at this institution. And then I became a media consultant. It wasn't a big gig. I was just told to manage the social media presence of the company. Very small thing. They paid me on a part-time basis. It helped me cover my fuel for dates and pay for dates. It was a small thing. But I kept being faithful with the little. And as I kept becoming faithful with little, God promoted me to become the executive director. Then I was faithful in that little. It was a job. It helped me provide for my family. It's the job that I got after I got engaged to my wife. To some people, it looked like a small thing. But to God, it was a big thing. And I kept being faithful with the little. And then another opportunity came to manage a bigger organization and, a, and manage a lot of resources. And I was, because I was faithful with the small, I was able to move to where God wanted me to be, to become the executive director of the current organization I'm leading that's impacting young people across Africa. You can miss valuable lessons if you despise small beginnings, if you're not faithful with the little that God has blessed you with. The little could be the small team in your company that you're employed at. The little could be that small business, that bakery that you've started. The little could be your family, how you steward your family, how you love on your family. Everyone has a small thing that God has entrusted you with. Can I challenge you with this thought? That your elevation and your promotion to the next level, the purpose that God has for you, 
is predicated on how you're managing that small and insignificant thing. Because to God, it is actually a big thing. To God, it was important how David managed being a shepherd boy. God was interested, can David manage something of such small significance? If he can, he can be the king, and he did. And I want to challenge you as I close with the following. What not to do in your small beginnings. We've learned what small beginnings teach us. It humbles us. It builds our character. It tests our faithfulness. It builds our dependency on God. But there's some things you shouldn't do in small beginnings. The first thing is that you shouldn't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare your behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight wheels. Some of you need to log off Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, where you keep seeing the people that you idolize or the people that you look up to, and they're so successful. They're in chapter 20 of their lives, but you're still in chapter 0.5. You're still trying to make it out of chapter 1. You stop following them. Because what's happening is that you keep comparing yourself to them and then you disqualify yourself and then you don't start whatever God has told you to go into because you don't feel qualified and it's almost like as soon as you start comparing, the second thing that happens is jealousy breeds. The Bible says where there's jealousy, there's evil of every kind. Don't compare yourself to the people around you. Number two, what you need not to do in small beginnings is connect yourself with the wrong crowd. This is really important. Check your circle of friends and sometimes family members. You don't need to confide in everyone. I just want to encourage you with that. Joseph, we know the story of Joseph. God gives him a dream, tells him where he's going. He tells his brothers and his mother the dream that they would bow down and look what happens to Joseph. He gets sold off into slavery. You don't need to confide in everyone because not everyone in your circle of friends wants you to be successful. And if you have those that want you to be successful and want to help you grow, you are blessed. Keep those friends and family members close. But be careful who you connect yourself with because they may be pulling you away from the plans and the purposes that God has for you. You might tell them, hey, I'm ready to start this business. And the first thing they say is, do you have enough money? You're not qualified to be in that space. You're too big for your own shoes. And what happens is that their criticism pulls you away from the very thing God has laid in your heart. You might come to your girlfriends and say, hey guys, I met this guy, he's amazing. And they ask, does he have a job? Oh, that job that he has, I see he's driving a Toyota Taz. I see he's driving a Chevy Spark. Hello, somebody. I was there, been there, done the t-shirt. I see he's living in this area, or I see he doesn't wear the right clothes. Can he really provide for you? And then what you do is, you feel that God is saying you should give this gentleman a chance. And as a result, you end that relationship or you don't allow him to take you on further dates because you have 
confined in the wrong individuals and they've sidetracked you from the very thing God has called you to do. Gentlemen, on the other end, you could go to your boys and be like, guys, my boys, listen, I met the girl. The guys are like, but doesn't she have this past? Doesn't, won't she expect you to live this lifestyle? Or doesn't she have children? And then as a result, you missed this opportunity to build this beautiful relationship with this individual. And you feel like God is telling you to move in this direction. And I'm not saying that there's not wisdom in the counsel of many. I am just saying, be careful who you confide in. Because they can pull you away from your small beginnings. You could be in a career. You could be at your job and you go to friends and are like, guys, my boss sucks. And your friends are like, yeah, he does. You should leave that company. And as a result, you leave that company and you move to another one. And where you move to is not as prosperous. There's not a lot of opportunities available to you. And you miss the small beginning that God had for you in your previous employer because you confided in the wrong individuals who told you that you were better. But God was actually taking you a season of developing your character, building you up to take you higher. Be careful who you confide in. As I close, there's a story in the Bible of a lady who is stepping into a small beginning. A small beginning she wouldn't have hoped to enter. Her husband had passed away and she's in a desperate place as the creditors were coming to take her sons to be slaves to work off the debt. And God sends a prophet called Elisha to her. And the prophet Elisha asked her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And this lady responds and says, your maidservant has nothing but a jar of oil. Go read the story. It's in 2 Kings verse 4. And initially, she had nothing. But then she added, the text says, I have nothing but a jar of oil. And I imagined it might have seemed inconsequential to her. It might have seemed small, insignificant. I can imagine that in the process of being in the small beginnings to pay off the debt, she had sold everything. Sold her car, sold the, the furniture, her clothes, anything that she had to try and pay off the debt. But what she had was a jar of oil. And this left her with only maybe a small jar of oil. And she had probably decided not to give it away because during biblical times and even now, oil is of value. Like the widow, we often discount the small things we possess that are valuable in our life. We often discount the small things. And I want to ask you today, what is the one thing you have that you would not ordinarily consider of use to your current circumstance? What is that one thing that you have in your heart, in your home, in your house, in your skills and expertise that you would not ordinarily consider of use in your current circumstance, in your current small beginnings? Maybe it's the networks that you have. To you, it feels inconsequential. But to God, he's given you these networks of individuals that you can tap into. Maybe it's a skill that you've developed, maybe in building websites 
or building apps. To others, it might seem inconsequential and, and small, but to you, it's what God has given you. What do you have in your hands? Elisha tells her, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. And he says this, don't ask for just a few. And listen, if I was in the widow's situation, I am a strong man. I want to provide for my family, but if I am asked to do this, this is a very difficult ask. Because now you're knocking on your friend's doors and you're asking, can I have your empty jars? And maybe your friends or your neighbors might be like, what do you need a jar for? And you try to explain the situation and it's a vulnerable situation that you have to explain. She may have found it difficult to seek assistance from her neighbors as instructed. And often we find it hard to ask for help. Our unwillingness to seek help can stem from pride, maybe from mismanagement of resources, or simply not trusting and surrendering to God our vulnerability. Our heart says yes to go for the opportunity, <laughs> but we say no when God asks us to do very difficult things like ask for help. What if the widow, the widowed woman, didn't ask for help? Scripture tells us that she would have lost children to slavery. My question to you today, what if you don't ask for help? What if you don't humble yourself and seek help from the people around you to maybe start your business idea? What if you don't ask for help in your career and you don't ask for mentoring or support in any way? What would happen if you don't ask for help? Maybe... Today, you know of someone who is in a humble beginning. Maybe you need to call them and ask them, how can I help you today? We have been blessed to be a blessing. When we ask, God, God's provision flows from him through his people and onto us. Let me say that again. When we ask for help, God's provision, God's doors flows from him through his people onto us. Maybe today you need to ask for help. Maybe help in the form of resources to help start your business idea. Maybe in the form of time, just someone you can shake off this idea with. Maybe in the form of networks, someone who can open a door for you. Who do you need to ask for help? She asks, knocks on the doors, begins gathering all of these jars one by one. And the Bible says, she went from Elisha, shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring the oil, and when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another, but he replied, there is no jar left. The oil stopped flowing. A couple of things happen here that we need to note. One, the widow did as instructed. She collected the jars. Secondly, which I found was so profound, she involved her children in the process of filling the jars. What an opportunity for her kids to witness the miracle of God 
in their lives. Can I challenge you with this thought? Maybe the beginnings that you're in, maybe the business or the career, maybe God is challenging you to bring people around you that can help you so that they can be part of the miracle of seeing what God does in and through your life such that they can see God's hand and favor on your life and they can begin to say, who is this God that you serve? One day, the widow's sons would share this miracle with their children and this is how we prepare our children to function as a family, to maintain a household. Talk about generational blessing. She came back to Elisha and she told the man, she came back and gave a report to Elisha to say, look, I got the jars, we started filling them, and I have so much oil. And the thing is, which I find so interesting, if I had been this woman, I would have forgotten about Elisha. But she humbles herself to go back and seek instruction. Even in a place of prosperity or of new significance or moving to a new level, She comes back to ask for instructions and there is a lesson there. When God begins to elevate you from your small beginnings to something more bigger, instead of now trying to do it in your own strength, go back to God. Seek His instruction. Seek His guidance. Don't rely on your own strength. This woman goes back to Elisha, gave back a report, and she receives another instruction. Elisha says, Go sell the oil, pay your debt, and your sons live on the rest. Sell, pay, live. Sell, pay, live. That's just an incredible story of a woman who went from small beginnings to God doing something amazing in her life. And the reason I'm so passionate about this message is because I have lived this. Literally a year ago, my team and I, I shared an idea with my team I have the incredible privilege, like I mentioned earlier in this message, to lead an organization, to be the executive director of an organization that essentially funds institutions across Africa that focus on youth employment, education, and entrepreneurship. A year ago, my team and I sat together. We have a business development manager in our team, and she came to me and said, Seth, there's an opportunity that I think we should explore. I told her, yo, I've got this idea. Maybe we can try it in this proposal. She sends it to me. I tell her, this is too small of an amount for what I have envisioned for. And so she came to me and said, Seth, let's do this. I said, it's too small. The amount is too small. Let's just miss this. She came back. Let's do it. I said, okay, you write the proposal. I will edit it. We'll send it through. See what happens. We write the proposal. We send it in. I forget about it. We get a call that we had been approved. And this funding was actually coming from a government institution here in South Africa. And so they gave us a particular amount of money to develop the business plan for this idea. And so even when I was going to receive the award, I was like, God, we are so accustomed to managing larger sums of money. And as I was driving, God put in my heart, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I went, I received the check. It was like an event, award ceremony. And I just want to say this to someone. 
don't become so familiar with what God has done that you miss what God is doing in a completely new vehicle. Don't despise when opportunities come dressed in packages that you're not accustomed to, that you don't have the experience for. So we get the money to develop this business plan, and it's not like a 10, 12-page business plan. They expect like an 80 to 100-page business plan, and they expect it in two months. If you're a Bible college student at Graceway Church, you understand developing a business plan of that magnitude for our final year. We needed to develop a business plan of 80 to 100 pages, and they gave us a full year. So we have two months to develop this business plan. And as we're working, we get some support, and they're helping us. And as we're working, I, I begin to feel in my heart, God, is this even worth it for the amount that we're doing it for? And I get frustrated, and I keep hearing, don't despise the day of small beginnings, because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And my team also starts to get frustrated, like, Seth, we're wasting so much of our time. We could be doing other things, but I encourage them, let's keep going. Let's develop the business plan. We complete the business plan by the grace of God. It's done. And my business development manager comes to me again, sends an email, said, Seth, there's an opportunity that I'd like for us to explore. I said, okay, send it to me. It's very related to the business plan you've been developing with the team. And I said, okay, send it to me. She sends it to me. And again, the amount is too small for the business plan we've developed. And by the grace of God, my board had approved some funding to help uh, start this business idea within our company. And when she sent the proposal, I was like, it's so small that even the board might not let me do this. But she kept sending it to me. She says, like, let's try. Remember, the other one you said we couldn't go for it was too small, but look what happened. I said, okay, let's develop the proposal. And so we developed this proposal with the team. We edit it. We send it through. We forget about it. My persistent gives me a call maybe three weeks ago, she says, hey, Seth, there is a company in the U.S. that's trying to get a hold of you. I say, the U.S.? I said, okay, give them my number. She gives them my number. I call that individual, and they tell me, Mr. Muli, your proposal has been approved for that project that you had wanted to put together. I say, wow, amazing. Then she stops me and says, listen, Mr. Muli, we were thinking that maybe you can add on to this project. There were some funds that had been designated for something else, but that thing fell through. So we have these funds available. Would you quickly send me an updated proposal and I'll submit it to my superiors. I called the team. I say, hey guys, this thing came up. Remember it was a small amount, but actually they want to give us more. We don't even know how much they want to give us. And so because we had been preparing this business plan, when this opportunity came about, all we did was take elements from our business plan, put it into the proposal, submitted it within 24 hours. They were so shocked as to how fast we had been able to come back to them. And imagine if we had despised those small beginnings of developing this business plan, we would have missed this opportunity. Cut a long story short, we submit it. They come back to us. They say, oh, this is a good proposal. We'll come back to you find out if it's been approved. It has to go to Washington in the U.S. Last week, they come back to us. They say, listen, our superiors love the concept. We have approved your budget. And what started off as a very small budget, 
very small project, a couple of hundred thousands, that has now evolved to a couple of millions of rands. But it was because of the small beginnings of tracing back from where God had brought us to. And I want to encourage you. I'm not boasting on myself. I'm boasting on the power of God. That if you abort the small beginnings, you'd have no idea what you're missing out on. We are sitting on this other side of this testimony. And my staff, not all of them are people of faith. And their conversations have began to change. There's a proposal that came up and as soon as I sent it to them, like, let's go for it. Let's trust God. In an actual email, I saw, I was like, oh my God, this is not for me. This is for people around me to see the hand of God. And I want to encourage some people today. Don't despise the day of small beginnings because God is working. God is trying to do something in your life such that it blesses the people around you. And they begin to start saying, who is this God that you serve? They begin to say, let's trust God. I saw it in the email. I was like, okay, God is good. God is working on my team because the language began to change. But it all started in small, humble Beginnings. Sometimes, let me say this to you. Sometimes God will humble, surprise you by bringing you new opportunities through the most unexpected ways and the most unlikely people. Stay humble. Stay expectant. What small beginnings are you missing because they don't look like what you're accustomed to, what you're used to, what you're familiar with? And now when a door opens that doesn't fit my qualifications, my experience, or what I'm familiar with, I know that God is in the details. And now I'm very expectant because it means God is up to something new, something I've never experienced. So as you get into this new week and you begin to see opportunities appear that come to your door that don't meet your qualifications, don't meet your experience, that you don't have the capacity to deliver, God is on that. Start. Step into it. Don't despise opportunities, moments, people that don't fit what you're accustomed to. I want to end off with saying this. Don't handle the small beginnings, the humble beginnings in your own strength, but through the Spirit of God. Zechariah says in Zechariah 4 verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. And it's interesting, that's the verse that's carrying us as a church this year. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This verse comes before Zechariah says, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord rejoices for the work to begin. And I believe God is telling us something significant. That the small beginnings that we're in, they're not going to be done through our strength. They're not going to be done through our power, through our might, but by the Spirit of God. As I close Job 8 verse 7, it says this. So powerful. Your beginnings will seem humble. So prosperous will your future be. I pray that you do not despise the small beginnings, whatever you're just starting out or have already begun and moved into. Embrace the small beginnings, the humble beginnings, knowing that the Lord rejoices to see 
the work begin. And from that, great things are yet to come. So whatever you're building right now, you could be building your career. You could be starting a new job. You could be in the beginning of a ministry. Maybe at the beginning of starting a business. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The day of insignificant beginnings. The day of difficult beginnings. Involve Jesus and allow his provision, his favor, his wisdom, and his power to multiply and grow the little things in your hands. I want to pray for you today. If you're in a season of a small beginning and you feel like quitting, I believe God has called me today to give you this message today. Don't quit. Don't quit. God, I just pray for everyone in this moment who is in a small beginning of their life, starting a new job, maybe in a job but feel like they're stuck, starting a new relationship, starting a business or in a business that feels stuck, in a marriage that feels stuck. I pray that you'd give them the wisdom to know that these small beginnings are preparing them for a bigger purpose, that you're building their character, you're helping them depend on you, you're helping them become faithful, and you're showing them that your power and the presence of God can carry them through this journey. I ask that you'd give them faith, that you'd give them courage, that this week, God, you would open doors, opportunities that they've never seen before. And that would be a confirmation that you're involved in these small beginnings. They would get emails, phone calls out of the blue. And that would be confirmation that you're in their small beginnings. God, I pray, secondly, for people who have quit, that you'd give them the courage to start Again. Amen. I want to pray for you today. Part of the journey of small beginnings is understanding that God created you for a bigger purpose. And in this journey of faith, I want to challenge you, maybe today's the day, to start the small beginnings of building a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray this simple prayer with me? Lord Jesus. I believe you died and rose again. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn away. I ask you to come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, we're so excited for this new beginning that you've started. And we want to come around you to support you in this journey of faith by giving you resources, Bibles, connecting you to a local church that will help build you and grow you so that you can live a victorious life. Take care, God bless, and remember, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Amen.